both you and I agree, and I would say 90% of Yankee fandom would agree, massive mistake. Should have never traded Jordan Montgomery. Period. End of story. Should have never happened. You are Locked On Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. I'm Stacey Gotsoulias, and with me as always is my producer, Steve Granato. Steve, happy Friday. Happy Friday, Stace, and happy Fan Mail Friday, everybody. Thanks so much for clicking on the show. We have a whole bunch of questions from you guys throughout the week. You guys really crushed it this week, by the way. We got a whole bunch of them, so we had to kind of cherry pick and pick our favorite ones. So if you did not get your question in today, don't worry. Submit it again next week. Maybe rephrase it. Maybe find a different question. You guys can always submit Fan Mail Friday questions on our YouTube side by replying to the pinned comment Monday through Thursday. Or, of course, you can always get priority by joining Subtext, the Lockdown Yankees Insiders Club. It's in the episode description. Uh, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things here today. We're going to talk about Kim Ang. We're going to talk about the rookies. We're also going to talk about the MLB playoffs a little bit later on in the show. But first, Stacey, here is our first question. Again, this is coming from our Locked On Insiders Club. This is Eric asking us, would you favor a reunion with Jordan Montgomery if he wants it or go in a new direction? Stacey, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this. I will let you take the lead. I mean, if he wants it, yes, but I don't think he would want it after the the way they treated him, you know? I mean, if he could forget the bad stuff that they said about him, then sure, but (laughs) I don't think he'd want it. So let's let's start here at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Both you and I agree, and I would say 90% of Yankee fandom would agree, massive mistake. Should have never traded Jordan Montgomery, period. End of story. Should have never happened. It made no sense when it happened. It makes even less sense now. (laughs) Yeah, especially now that Bader's gone and he was gone before the end of the season. It wasn't like a, you know, because he's going to be a free agent. It's not like that situation. It was, bye, nice to see us. Ship him off, like let him, yeah. So, disaster. (laughs) So, nightmare on all fronts right there. Should have never happened, period, end of story. Two. Now that you're looking at it and what was said and the reasoning behind it, it somehow has gotten even worse. We don't want Jordan Montgomery in our playoff rotation. Look what Jordan Montgomery has done in the playoffs. And I think, Stacey, if I may be so bold, this is probably why he's been so good in the playoffs. Because he has this chip chip on his shoulder. shoulder. So the Yankees have somehow shot themselves in the foot multiple times here Mm -hmm. by making the bad trade and creating a villain. Yeah. So, yes, get him back, but there's no way. Jordan Montgomery himself has even come out and said he felt like the Yankees gave up on him. So why would he come back? Right. That has to be an awful feeling to feel like the team that you had been with for as long as he was just gives up on you. Awful. So no, there's, there's no way he's coming back, obviously, unless he, you know, someone invents that uh, memory stick from men in black and they erase those thoughts out of his head (laughs) and then they can bring him to the Yankees. But you know, that's not happening. No chance. There's just Mm -hmm. no chance because you know what Jordan Montgomery wants to do. And it's not even just a Jordan Montgomery thing. This is, you know what any human being would want to do. 
stick it to the Yankees. Yeah, prove him wrong. He wants to face the Yankees in the postseason and shove for seven innings because yeah. that's what every single ball player would ever want to do. Yeah. And he's probably could get a chance at doing it yeah. wherever he ends up signing. <laughs> Look, he would be great back in pinstripes, but I think uh, I think the, uh, they flew the coop already on that one. Yeah, I they have a bad habit of doing that to players, and some players they've done it to have come back like Jeter, you know, Cashman and Jeter didn't have a great relationship after that whole free agency thing at the end of the 2000s. And, um, you know, I don't know why the Yankees continuously do this sort of thing. It's just mind blowing to me. Hmm, it seems like there needs to be a change. Okay. Next question coming here from <laughs> Kyle. Fan Mail Friday. The show has talked about the past and future. There has to be key things that the Yankees have to do. Yankees player development is one. Agree or disagree? So let's kind of dissect this a little bit, Stacey. And thank you, Kyle, for your question here on the Lockdown Yankees Insiders Club. But so there's kind of been a weird, I don't know, 20 years or so hmm. where the Yankees haven't really developed at a full scale level. They have had to, or maybe not had to, been prioritizing getting big free agents up until more recently, right? Mm. That's kind of been the the key to success. You go out and get the big name, the A-Rods, the Giambis. Like, you go and do that stuff. Um, and the Yankees, since the core four haven't really developed, let's be real, like on a full scale. So, right. yeah. Yeah, they should focus on development. I think there has been a shift in that idea Recently, over the last couple of years, uh, particularly on the pitching front, you're definitely seeing it with Sam Breen's mentality and how he leads the pitching ops. Um, but yes, I would like to see kind of that mentality also taken on the position player and offensive front. Yeah. Um, I mean, they tried to develop people. There were people that were coming up. You know, you think of Nick Johnson, you think of Phil Hughes, you think of um, oh David Adams, people like that. Um, you know, Phil Hughes was okay for a little bit, but not anything near what they were hyping him up to be. You know, he had a kind of solid career. And, you know, when he went to the Twins, he did okay. Um, but there were some guys that they were really hyping up and didn't amount to anything. So uh, it's not a matter of them not having player development it was a matter of them just having bad luck with their player development over or the success. last 20 years yeah, having success, success. You know? yeah and it feels like it's a little more successful recently with guys like judge and stuff like that but um yeah i mean they tried to have the youth you know there was that one year in 07 where they had ian kennedy java chamberlain and phil hughes and they tried to like push them into the rotation and it was kind of a disaster but they tried and uh yeah it's just it, it's such a i always joke about the playoffs being a crapshoot but developing really good players is also a crapshoot i mean it's it's yeah. not easy to figure out what a kid's gonna do when they're 18 19 20 and figure out oh he's gonna be like this by the time he's 27 who the hell knows you know yeah i mean there's there's obviously way more misses than there are hits in every franchise in the history of baseball so you're just hoping that you land a couple and then you fill out with free agency in the trade market. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Kyle, for your question. Let's move on to this next one coming from Betty. Would Cashman ever agree to be assistant to Kim Ang? That would be awesome. I would love to get her. Yeah, you and probably every other Yankees fan, <laughs> Betty. Uh, Stace, 
Humor me. Cashman stepping down to let Kim Ang take his job? No. <laughs> no. no. I mean, she left the Marlins because they were going to hire someone to oversee her. So, you know. Uh, yeah, what do you think? Her... And he, she had only been there for two years? <laughs> yeah. You know, Cashman's been there basically since I was in high school. He started, no, excuse me, junior high school when he started as an intern. So he's been with the Yankees forever and a day and he's been the gm for 25 years and no he no no. (laughs) let me put it to you this way let me put it to you this way think of your job and where you work would you let some hot shot come in and take your job would you be like super cool with that and be like oh i'll step back and i'll have a lesser role even though i've been here for so long yeah, that's not that's not how humans work, unfortunately. Well, I agree with you, Betty. Kim Ang, I think, is a already proven to be a pretty darn good GM. Uh, that would be nice. I don't think that's ever, ever gonna happen. I think it would be a replacement. It wouldn't be Yeah, you her. can't you can't. That's yeah. just work workplace conflict right there, man. That's mm-hmm. so weird. That's too awkward. That's so awkward. Uh yeah. But and as we figure cashman ain't going nowhere no uh thank you betty for your question we have one more here in the segment we have plenty more coming up later another one from our lockdown yankees insiders club ruben asking us if glaber does not get traded where does that leave trey sweeney ah good question ruben i really like this question and i will answer this one stace um <laughs> kind of as an outsider but but there's a big but here don't know what 2025 has in store Right. If Glaber doesn't resign, then Trey Sweeney's in the same standing that he is in in 2024. Trey Sweeney's probably not going to make it in 24 anyway. Right. That's not likely. Finished a double A. He had some injuries this season as well. So it's not like Trey Sweeney's knocking on the door like Oswald Peraza was knocking on the door. And, uh, you know, Volpe obviously was knocking on the door. So Sweeney has a little bit more seasoning before he gets to the bigs. Hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not one of the first calls if there's a couple of injuries. I don't see foresee that um, not being the case. But if Glaber doesn't get traded, that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't believe in Sweeney. So don't go down that path because, again, his contract ends after 2024. So I think you have to wait another year to see what the Yankees do. Do they want to resign him? We talked about this on the other episode the other day, right? Do they want to resign him? Do they want to trade him? Like, what's the plan there? Because there's the obvious logjam, even without factoring in Trey Sweeney right now. Right. Uh, but there are still some defensive in, uh, situations going on there. We know what he brings with the bat. Uh, there's some consistency issues as well with Trey Sweeney. So he has a lot of talent. I've watched him personally, as a matter of fact, when he was in college. Um, so yes, I, I don't think they're like straight up giving up on Trey Sweeney or anything like that. Don't go that far. If Glaber doesn't get traded, I think there are still a couple of chips that need to fall before they get to a, we give up on Sweeney need to trade him or need to release or anything like that. So they're nowhere close to that right now. Uh, thank you for your question, Ruben. We have another one coming up from our subtexter and our YouTube community checking in next. So don't go anywhere. Tons of questions when we come back. Everyone should be ready to care for themselves and their loved ones, no matter the circumstances. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. What's a Jace case? The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use created by doctors for you. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand whenever you need it. 
and it now offers customization for your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications. Choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. They even offer gift cards. With the holidays rapid, rapidly approaching, buy a gift card for family or your loved ones so that they can get a Jace case of their own and, of course, grab one while you're there. Don't get caught unprepared. Go to jacemedical.com and enter Locked On as the code at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code Locked On at Jace Medical. J-A-S-E Medical.com. Back here on Locked On Yankees, some more questions coming your way here on this Fan Mail Friday. And hey, Everydayers out there, coming up next week, we have a fun episode planned for one of our five coming out next week. We're still Monday through Friday, as you guys know. The top five dumbest things of the 2023 season. You're not going to want to miss that, so make sure to hit subscribe. We're going to have a whole bunch of fun with that. So be around for that one coming up next week. All right, Stacey, some more questions. We have one more from our Locked On Yankees Insiders Club. This is coming from Bruce. Saying, so I have a theory as to why baseball executives find using analytics so alluring. Could it be that it relieves them of making the subjective player decisions? When a player or a trade goes bad, they can now point to the analytics as gospel. It relieves them of any accountability. Bruce, thank you for your question. Stacey, I want to take the lead here on this one to start and maybe challenge you a little bit here, Bruce. I want you to try and think of the last time you saw a trade go poorly and then a team point to analytics as being the precursor to why that trade happened. Because to my memory, without really doing any digging or research, I don't really see a lot of front offices doing that. Stacey, are you in the same boat? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. So I think when it comes, we've talked about analytics on a handful of occasions on this show. Uh, especially recently. I feel like this is a topic that comes up a lot because of the audit and all these types of things. When when you're getting to the point here, it's like making sub- subjective player decisions, right? Like trying to relieve them of that pressure. I think that's just part of the job, man, right? Mm-hmm. that That's just part of the job is you have, if you're going to be a general manager, if you're going to be a president of baseball ops, you're going to be a vice president of baseball ops, you're going to be anything, AGM, any of that stuff, of it is making hard decisions, right? 90% of it is telling the players, hey, you're gone. Bye. (laughs) So like if you don't have the chops to do that, you can't make it in the industry. That's just period. That's just, that's the job. So I I don't see general managers, front offices doing that a lot. I could be wrong, but I don't see it happening that often. I don't either. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like... Analytics has become like a dirty word recently, which is just really strange to me because people like to blame it on everything bad that happens to a team. And it just doesn't seem fair in that way because they can be really useful. It's just you have to use the right ones. Yeah, it's applying these numbers, right? Like analytics is just a new word since sabermetrics came out, right? Since Mm -hmm. sabermetrics became the forefront of baseball front offices, now the word for sabermetrics is analytics. Analytics, in its own right, it's just numbers, right? It's just numbers. We've had numbers in baseball forever. (laughs) Literally forever. How the batting order started happening because guys were hitting certain ways and they figured, okay, he needs to be our number four hitter because he does this with people on base. I mean, this stuff has been happening since the 20s and 30s. So it's not like, you know, the 1920s and 30s. So, Yeah. yeah, it's not a new thing. It's just a new term. 
yeah, there's just more numbers to it now. It's just right. deeper. Yes. And and look, I get that sometimes it seems like they're making the wrong decision and sometimes they do make the wrong decision. But a lot of it is based on chance, percentages and things like that, right? And um, some teams go too hard on it. I would agree. Taking Brandon Fodd out after five and two thirds. Okay, I get it. Third time through the order. I get it. But like at the same time, dude's dealing. I get yeah. it. I get both sides of it. So I don't think you're like super out of left field here, Bruce. I don't think you're like totally random, crazy question here. Um, but again, I, I think you kind of got to go, okay, have I seen front office use that an excuse? Or maybe I've seen somebody say that that isn't part of the front office. Um, so just, just kind of think about where they're going with that. But again, analytics, we've said it a million times, are not bad. They're not a bad word. It's just more information. It's more the application of those numbers that uh, dictate whether your team's going to be successful or not. Thank you again, Bruce. I like that question. I like a lot of the questions here today. Uh, and we have more here from our YouTube community now. This first one from our YouTube community is coming from Boo Ya Get Yanks. Uh, and by the way, I saw you ask a million questions. Thank you so much for being a part of our Fan Mail Friday. We will try to get to some more of your questions next week, hopefully. Um, but of course, you can always submit again if you want to submit a former one. This is the one I just picked. This was my favorite one that you submitted here this week. Um, out of the Yankees kids that played in 2023, who do you think will be a starter and have a breakout year in 2024? Stace, we've talked a lot about prospects this season, but we haven't really talked about prospects here in the offseason and uh, some of the guys that could be contributing next year. So who is your pick right now here in October to contribute in April and beyond of 2024? Oswald Peraza at third base. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really feel like, uh, you know, he might regress a little bit defensively and, you know, I don't want people to jump on him if that happens in the beginning of the season in 2024. But from what I could see, he is so good athletically that you could put him anywhere in the infield and he'd be great but he just looked so good there yes there were some mistakes but for the most part he made some really tricky plays for someone who never really played third I thought he did amazing and I feel like the bat will get there and I feel like he's gonna have a solid season in 2024 like don't expect all-star numbers but I feel like he's gonna be one of the breakout guys in 2024 I think Oswald Peraza will be a Rookie of the Year candidate next year. I'm going to go further than you there, Stace. <laughs> and I, I'll tell you why. I've watched that bat. I love that swing. One. But two, you mentioned the defense. We know what he brings to the table defensively at short and at second. Like you said, new venture for him over at third. But guess what? Now he has third base major league time under his belt. And guess what else? He knows he's probably going to be playing there next season. Right. So, so he's what is be he practicing. doing all off season <laughs> is working at third base. Yeah. So that has uh, a lot of potential to be a big, big piece of the team next year. And I really hope he gets the opportunity because he absolutely deserves it. Uh, I'm going to take it in a completely different direction. Stacey, I'm going to give you one that is completely out of left field, jogging out of the bullpen potentially, but maybe even as a starter. I'm going to say Drew Thorpe makes the big league club at some point in 2024 and has a breakout season. Ooh. Ooh, and that's yeah, that a massive fast track. That's a huge fast track. He's not even 40 man. Yeah. I think Drew Thorpe is going to pitch so well this season that they can't ignore him. I'm buying on Drew Thorpe, man. I really <laughs> like his stuff. He had a huge year. Thank you, Booyago Yanks. Uh, 
for or get yanks uh for the question here again thank you for all your questions we'll hopefully get to a couple of more next week but you're always welcome to submit more fan mail friday questions keep them coming really appreciate it on uh, this last one here today before we get to our playoff talk stace comes from aaron dorch 4541 saying would love to see an episode where you each prepare your own yankees offseason blueprint would you go hard after big names to propel back into contention as soon as possible or would you make a series of smaller moves to build the foundation and support a young core love your content thank you aaron very kind words um and you know what's weird stacy i hadn't even talked to you about this but i actually was planning an episode like this so aaron and me we're just like right there he, he's already got, he's ready in my brain <laughs> It's a executive producer or a co-producer producer here on the show. Um, but as a precursor to that, Stacey, just some maybe you don't have to go all in on a full fledged blueprint on trades and all that kind of stuff. But just some kind of uh, markers that you want to set for the Yankees offseason this year. I feel like I like the the latter suggestion, that making smaller moves and supporting the younger core, because there also isn't a lot of <laughs> great options in free agency to make a big splash, really. Um, but I kind of like the latter suggestion, possibly. Yeah. I'll have to investigate, though. But I feel like I like that one. I think where you can make a big splash here in this regard, if you wanted to go big splash, quote unquote, is look to last offseason. And we talked about it this week on the show. Pablo Lopez, Luis Arias. Mm. That's a type of move that benefits both teams in an area of need for both teams. And I think there's an opportunity because the Yankees were so silent at the deadline that really all they did was lose Juan Carrella for Keenan Middleton. That, yes, maybe that was a bad move. Maybe. You don't know yet. Juan Carrella is still really young. But I think you can kind of deal from some of your youth here mm. in positions that you don't necessarily think are going to have a huge impact in the future if you're betting on the older guys. I.e., I'm looking at Jared Cerna as a potential trade piece the Yankees might have where it's not going to impact you for the next handful of years. And it's also might not going to impact you because you still have Trey Sweeney at that spot. You still have Oswald. You still have Cabrera. You still have Volpe. You still have all these pieces right there that are much closer that you can kind of give up because guess what's right behind Jared Cerna? George Lombard Jr. Mm. So you kind of have these little pieces here where you deal through your your depth, which is middle infield help. And I think that could turn into as a piece of a trade that can get something back that could be impact at the major league level. So again, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that in our blueprints later on in the offseason. So make sure to check on that later. So you're saying the Yankees have to hire Kim Ang because she's the one that made that move. <laughs> <laughs> Look. <laughs> I'm not saying no. I'm not saying no. Uh, a lot of teams could benefit with Kim Ang in their front office. Mm -hmm. Thank you all for your questions. We really, really appreciate it. We love our Fan Mail Friday episodes. Again, if you want to get Fan Mail Friday priority, all you got to do is join the Locked On Yankees Insiders Club by signing up with Subtext. It's a texting service. You can text Stacy. You can text me straight to your phone right away. Nice and simple. And you also get Fan Mail Friday priority. You can pitch episode ideas kind of like Aaron just did, even though we're going to do that <laughs> anyway. But did like that, Aaron. Don't worry. Uh, but you can pitch episode ideas. We have some coming in the bank that some of our uh, insiders also submitted. So don't worry. Those are coming very soon. It's a long off season. We got a lot of stuff coming your way. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. Still postseason, however. We got to talk about that. 
we got to talk about the NLCS again. Game three was a wild one. Let's talk about that when we come back. The MLB playoffs are underway, which means now's your chance to get 100 times your cash on Daily Fantasy Baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now with the ALCS and the NLCS proving that October baseball is the absolute best time to be a sports fan. Pick more or less on stats for the big stars like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to a 100-time payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right and you could win big. I'm Staceface826, so you can connect with me over there. Just because your personal fantasy team didn't go anywhere doesn't mean you have to miss out on winning this season. Use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply and you can see Sleeper's terms of use for details. Back here on Locked On Yankees, our final segment of the week here, Stacy. Another week of the postseason down, and uh, as we're recording this, as we always tell you when we're talking about the postseason, we're in the middle of the uh, Astros Rangers game four, and uh, the Astros already jumping out to a three nothing lead. It's only the second inning that we're currently recording this in, so Astros making a, a big comeback. But we're here to talk about Phil's D backs game three the series shifted to Chase Field, Stace forty. 7,000 people showing up on a weekday in Phoenix. Remember, it was like a day, it was a two o'clock game. Yeah. Phoenix time. 47,000 people showing up. Shout out the desert, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm sure Rays fans were looking at that and being like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, well, I feel bad for Rays fans, man. Like, being a fan of a team where the fan base doesn't show up, that really like, ugh, that is really such a stick, stick in the mud type stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But man, what a, what a duel, dude. Yeah. Like this, this game, I was talking about Rangers Suarez. I think it was during the NLDS. And I was like, man, if Ranger Suarez is going this deep, like that's crazy that the Phillies are getting that. Like that's how you know the Phillies are good right now is Ranger <laughs> Suarez is going to. No knock on Ranger Suarez, but he's not supposed to be like pitching at ace levels. Of and he course. did it again. Like it's incredible what he was able to do against this like D-backs offense, which was on fire against the Dodgers. Yeah, I was impressed with how he was pitching. And uh, God, some of his pitches are amazing. <laughs> he's filthy. Yeah, just unbelievable. And then on the flip side, who is that guy that was pitching for the Diamondbacks. <laughs> Brandon Fott. See, this is so this is what I love about playoff sports. So, I've talked about this on a handful of occasions on the show, my my uh Lakers fandom, Lakers fan my whole life. Uh and to see guys like Austin Reeves mm. turn into like stars yeah. overnight or like Lonnie Walker just turn into a star for one night. I know he didn't you know didn't have the same type of postseason run, but that's where Brandon Fott is coming in for me here. I'm like, this is a guy that I saw pop up a couple of times this season. I'm like, oh wow, who's this guy? Like I, I didn't see this guy coming through the prospect pipeline. I just missed this guy. And then he just kept like here, oh, six shutout. No, seven innings of two runs. Like I just kept seeing that. And then now that he's stepping up on the biggest stage, I'm like, yo, Brandon Fott, man, making me a believer. Like I think the D-backs getting into the postseason is, I mean, great for baseball, A. But B is so cool because they have so many guys that don't always get the spotlight, even though they should, like guys like Zach Gallen. Like, look, Gallen in baseball circles, you know it. But outside of baseball circles, no one knows who Zach Gallen is, no. right? But no. now these guys are getting the spotlight. And I think it's really cool, man. I love it. 
Yeah, because, you know, when you, no offense to the Diamondbacks, but when you talk about the NL West, it's the Dodgers, the Giants, and Padres, no matter what they're doing. And the Rockies and the Diamondbacks are kind of like overlooked because, you know, they don't usually do much. And this year, the Diamondbacks, you know, they were leading the division for a while, and then they lost it, and they dispatched the Dodgers. (laughs) And... They're doing what they're doing, and it's just – it's great to watch this. And there are a lot of young guys on that team, um, a lot of guys that people – even baseball fans don't even know that these guys exist because there is kind of like a – there's an East Coast bias, you know? There's that bias I just spoke about with the top of the division, and a lot of people don't know most of the guys on the Diamondbacks. So when they come out and perform like this, you're just like, wow, where did these guys come from? This is – and it's cool to watch that because you're like, oh, okay – there are more guys we can watch. And his pitches were insane. Like some of the movement on them. I was just like, I love this stuff. This is my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's Pitches dive out of the way and the guys don't know. Like there was one pitch on Stott that just fooled him so badly. And I was like, wow, that was really impressive. It was for strike three. Like he just, he swung yep. at a pitch that was nowhere near the zone, but completely fooled him because of his arm slot. And I was just like, wow, this kid is good. Yeah, let alone the pen from the from the but from both sides. I mean, like I already mentioned, Ranger Suarez uh, obviously ended up being a walk off there for the D backs. Boy, do they need that massively? Cattell Marte has had a huge series already. He's had a huge postseason. He's had a huge season. Period. Uh, but for him to come up and and tag that high fastball against Craig Kimbrell, which man, that's I don't know. How, how do you feel? Like we don't have a ton of time left here today, Stace. But how do you feel about Craig Kimbrell? Like I. I really like him and I've always liked him since his Braves days. Mm. Like I've like, I mean, obviously the arm thing like was like a kind of a meme for a little while. It's not really yeah. anymore, but like, how do you feel about Craig Kimbrell? He was an all-star this year, but I still feel like every time he steps on the mound, it's so shaky. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it also feels like he's been playing for 20 years and it feels like he's never going away and he's always somewhere in the playoffs or somewhere, you yeah. know, in the middle of things. And it's just, uh, kind of amazing to watch uh, but yeah it is very shaky watching him sometimes yeah it's so weird because even even in the all-star game he had shaky moments yeah that's true i remember that that wasn't that <laughs> many months ago <laughs> no it wasn't i was only july yeah uh shout out d-backs shout out the serpientes shout out phoenix uh and shout out my whole family who by the way is uh, tons of diamondbacks fans in my family uh who all live in like the that area in the mm. phoenix metro area and outside in arizona so, yeah, lots of D-backs fans in the uh, the Granado family. So, pretty cool. I'm super excited for them and and glad that they made it a series here, man. They made it a series and now head into game 4 with a chance to tie the set. So, that's that's huge, man. But super cool. Great game. Uh probably the best Man, man, that might have been one of the best NL games of the postseason so far. Yeah, cuz we were talking about it the other day. They uh either the one team goes out to a big league and a lead and it's kind of like great and this one at least was really close the entire time and they were just like scratching and clawing for runs because it wasn't that easy for them to get the first two runs each team so yeah yeah. close closest nl game since the braves came back and took down the fills in game two yeah at the bank that's like the those are the two best games i've seen so far in the nl side so super great uh, we will talk, of course, postseason, the rest of the postseason here on Lockdown Yankees. So you can always come here for a little bit of postseason talk, even though the Yankees aren't a part of it. That's coming up next week, just like our next episode here coming up in a few days. The top five dumbest things 
of the 2023 season. Subscribe and you won't miss it. And that's going to do it for another edition and another week of Lockdown Yankees. I'm Steve Granato. And I'm Stacey Gatsoulias. We'll see you on Monday.